Welcome back to the Scarcely Podcast. This is your host, Mike, and my co-host, Scott. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing fine. I'm a little bright. You're a little bright? You got your Fangoria t-shirt? Yes, I got I got my little guy holding my hat. Yeah, you finally got your... You, well, not finally. I'm not subscribed to, to, to Fangoria, but you're subscribed to Fangoria now, which is pretty cool. Four issues a, a year. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that that sounds like not a lot, but like they're, they're, they're pretty hundred thick. They're 100 pages per issue. Yeah, they're pretty thick, so... I got, pretty- um, I got issue 13. I might try to backtrack and get the first 12 issues that came out of the second volume. That way I can oh, have yeah. all of volume 2. That'd be kind of neat. What was the most recent... What was the one that you got? Like, what was the topic? Ooh, I wish I had it with me, but I'd have to go downstairs to get it. But it covers Last Night in Soho. It covers Halloween Kills. Um, the... The, the, the horror-themed drag race. I think it's on Shudder. Oh, oh, Dragula, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they have a lot of that stuff on there. It's pretty cool. I read the interviews from last night in Soho because I I really love that movie. And yeah, you caught was, that fine. You caught that finally. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I. It's my favorite film of the year. I really wouldn't stake it as being much like a traditional like horror movie. It's it's a psychological horror, but like very different atmosphere. I feel like than most horror films. If you went into it saying, oh, it's a horror film, I want to go see it, I feel like that's a really bad mentality to have. Because I don't love it because it's a horror film. I love it just because the director's just fucking class and doesn't do bad work. Yeah, true. <laughs> never seen a bad Edgar Wright movie. So. No, I haven't. I, 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 don't, I don't think I've ever seen one lower than a eight. I haven't seen all of his films, but from what I've seen, I'm definitely getting to like a point where I'd say he might be one of my favorite directors working. I haven't seen three of pe- three of people's favorites of his. I haven't seen any of the Cornetto trilogy, so I'm. You haven't seen any of them. I haven't seen Shaun of the Dead. I haven't seen Hot Fuzz. Not definitely haven't seen World's End. So World's End is the only one I haven't personally seen. I want to watch Shaun of the Dead and, and Hot Fuzz and all that stuff. Like I want to watch them. I just I just haven't seen them yet. Yeah, especially Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is very different. I, I love it, but it's um, it's definitely got that air of like it's bigger than what you'd assume it would be like it's supposed to be like a horror comedy mostly comedy but people talk about it so much now you kind of go in there with this like false connotation that it's going to be like this masterpiece because it's so talked about that kind of hurts it a bit well everyone's it's one of those movies that's been absorbed into pop culture to the point that people are like yeah this movie's like Shaun of the Dead or you know this aspect of this horror comedy is it's just like Shaun of the Dead or like it took inspiration from Shaun of the Dead yeah. That's one of those I've, movies, you know. I, we, I mean, we've kind of talked about that. Just any time films get thrown around with, like, this really bombastic uh, verbiage, it kind of makes it just seem like you're less interested in it at a point. Like, if I go around and I hear, like, hey, this film that came out in the past three years, it's a masterpiece. It's like, you want to sit on that? Like, <laughs> you want to think about that for a second? Like, you're telling me that's a masterpiece right now? Not that there aren't films that came in the last three years that aren't masterpieces. Like, there's yeah, a ton of fantastic directors making fantastic films, but it's just like yeah. it's tough to throw a term out like that now, and it's so nonchalant anymore. It, it is. A, it's one of the most overused words. The same way as like the, the exact opposite is is overused. Like this this movie is a complete and utter disaster or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's always extreme verbiage. It's always it's yeah. it's amazing best film ever made or it's terrible. You should never see it. Yeah, some Which is something I also can never aspire to understand. Like, how could you tell someone they should never see a film? 
Like, yeah. they could never make up their own mind on it. Like, that's so, like... That's almost worse than calling something a masterpiece when you think about it. Yeah, you're telling someone actively because you didn't like it that they shouldn't absorb art. Yeah, like... I mean, bringing it to the Halloween franchise, like, that's all you get with kills. It's either, like, best one in a long time or, like, dog shit. It's like... Yeah. I don't know, but... I, I'm not feeling either of these feelings you guys are getting. Like, I think it's fun. <laughs> that kind of leads directly into the movie we're talking about today, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, because it is the it is still, to this day, the lowest rated Halloween movie. And, I mean, we watched the producer's cut this time around. We didn't watch the, the theatrical version. I think the theatrical version deserves to probably be the lowest rated. It, it is pretty bad. It's, it's borderline incoherent. Uh, but I, I'll say this, man. This rewatch was kind to this movie for me. I had Very a, kind. I had a really fun time going through it. I, it's not perfect. No. I got problems with it, but... I think as the Halloween films go on later and later, one thing that's usually good, maybe not always good, but I feel they always hit a good job with is atmosphere. Yeah. And 6 has a great atmosphere to it. Yeah, they bring it back... Well, they, it's once again in Salt Lake City, and you can tell it's really, it's really good looking, and... Uh, you again. You feel this this sense of cold, and you know, really, it really feels like autumn. And that's that's just they and they scaled back down the Myers house. Thank God. Cinematography is very striking in it too. I feel like it's a lot more focused. And yeah, I feel like the cinematographer really took time with his shots and set them up. Versus a lot of the shots that they're bad in five or anything. There are some good shots, but. Some of them are just aggressive. They just feel very dated or like there's not a lot of focus on them. Yeah, it feels like they're kind of just like, again, it's flying by the seat of their pants. Yeah. The way that they, even kind of the way that they're filming the movie. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's, six... it's stuff you'd see in a lot of horror films at the 80s, you know? Like, yeah. it's just, let's get this out, let's have a good time, it, end. Yeah. I think Six has possibly... <laughs> One of the most uh, thick Halloweeny as- uh, like atmospheres, and a lot of that has to do with not just you know the cinematography, but also just like the the story itself lends itself more to Halloweeny kind of stuff because of of the stuff that it's dealing with directly with you know druid cults and uh, you know Sawin and all that stuff. So it feels intrinsically more Halloweeny, and I really like that about the movie especially in the producer's cut yeah i think the halloween atmosphere is really strong in this film you're never asking yourself what movie is this you're never saying like oh it doesn't feel like halloween it always feels like a halloween movie yeah and you know as the film starts going it's really hard to have a bad time with it except for if you're not really into the cult thing it could take you out of it very fast yeah but when you're introduced to the new characters, you like them decently enough. They're fun. Even if they have, like, accentuisms that are very 90s, they're still fun characters. Yeah. Like, I remember hating the brother a lot more, but when I watched it again, I'm like, no, he's pretty good. Like, there's he's nothing fine. wrong with him. I, I, I like mean, him. He's nice. I, I do find that the... the uh, some of the stuff with the brother would be pretty funny, especially when they're talking to Barry Sims. And they're saying, like, yeah, you know... He's he, when the 90s feeling really is. Yes, because he's supposed to be uh, Howard Stern. Not Howard Stern. Yes, Howard Stern. 
like, we'll see how it starts. When we were talking about going through the films, I remember you saying, like, I think the 90s shit in uh, H2O is going to bug you. It bugs me way more in 6 than it does H2O. Well, yeah, when I rewatched H2O, I, I realized how little Kevin Kevin Williamson's touch really is on that movie. I, it's more about... Some of the dialogue is a bit a it, bit more like slick 90s. It's not the dialogue. 90s, it's the script. The, 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 like, the way he sets the, the things up in, in the script, like, oh, yeah. is... Jamie gonna hide in a closet? No, you would think that because of the first movie. Like, that's very on the nose, metatextual. But that's yeah. the type of metatextual I can get behind, where it's not like, okay, now Shoving they're gonna reference. Face. Now, if he said not another fucking closet, I'd be like, I hate this movie. Like that. That's the type of shit where I'd be like, I don't need a character who's talking to nobody addressing the situation for no reason. Yeah. But looking at a closet, being like, fuck, and then. Leading Running up away. to the, oh, you didn't see that coming. That's fine. H. is yeah. not bad, but Barry Sims in six, he he's, he deserves he's his much, fate. <laughs> he's, he's very much that uh, that nineties asshole, asshole radio character. guy. Which it's like it's not like they're they're not characters, people that existed because they, you know, Howard Stern has a career based off of shit like that. Yeah. But the but, thing uh, is, Howard Stern is. Funny, Mike. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this guy's fucking annoying. I know, I know. But, but no, um, I agree. I do think it's really funny though that uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on the brother's name right now, but uh, where where his Tim. Gr- Tim, Tim, yep. He turn- his girlfriend turns to him, turns to Barry Sims, is like, yeah, you like Tim lives in the Myers house, and, he's, and Barry Sims is like, you do? And he's like, I do. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Tim's like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I do. What? Yeah, so some of it's really, really good. I, I, I like pretty much all the characters in this. Uh, the, the only one... I'm not wild about Tommy, and I know like you and I have both talked about how how Tommy's much, uh, especially you don't like Tommy. I'm not I, I, crazy it's about just him. The acting, like, Paul Rudd is not there. Like, it, it, it's, it's so phony and weird. Like, it's... His performance is odd. Um, I won't say it's bad, I, I like it just fine. It's just it's there, but it is it is just kind of really weird. Maybe it's just because I know Paul Rudd nowadays. It's just watching him act like that is just so weird because he's yeah. like he's got zero charisma and like that's fine. Like that the character's not calling for it. It's just like it is it is just odd to watch it, sometimes. It's, it's just the character's supposed to be like an awkward dude and like he's he's a traumatized person who, who didn't acclimate very well. Like when you know who Paul Rudd is, you'd expect a very different character, and yeah. this character is just not what you'd expect. And yeah, I, I, mean, like, I don't look, hate this version of Paul Rudd. I wouldn't not Paul Rudd. Sorry, this version of Tommy Doyle. Uh, I still like it better than other Tommy Doyles, but I just don't like the character of Tommy Doyle. Well, there's only there's only three. Yeah, yeah. I don't like oh, all of te- them. Technically, there's four. The count, remake, uh, the remake, but yeah. he's only in. The first one, yeah, and he's just Tommy Doyle as a kid. But um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think he's that bad. I just it is just kind of weird sometimes when you're you're thinking yourself in your mind's eye like what you think of when you think of Paul Rudd, and then that's yeah. not what you think of. Which maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's cool that he can do something else. Yeah, but it, it is. I think the what does a lot for his character in the movie, not even just Paul Rudd, not even the writing for him, is the set dressing in his room. Yeah, you get a real sense of who this person is. I, I remember the first time I watched the movie in a long time, I saw that he has an NRA sticker. Oh. And all of his gun-related stickers and stuff like that, and it's just like, 
he's wearing obviously he's wearing like a olive drab coat i'm just like is this yeah he's he's definitely i'm surprised that he doesn't have a gun <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really stunned he doesn't have a gun but uh yeah i remember just looking at a set and being like wow okay like it, it is amazing kind of what set dressing can really do for you yeah because it, it can be a level of visual storytelling that you don't think about nearly as much as you think about you know the way that the camera treats characters or situations. Well, but yeah, set, set dressing usually really helps, like, evaluate characters on a base level and just get you more in tune to who they are, what they like. Like, it, that's the it's, reason it's we love... Shorthand. That's why we love kid characters and stuff like Monster Squad and the Goonies with the yeah. stuff in their rooms just hanging around. Like, you could say, I'm like that kid. I like this, too. And it just makes you feel more emotionally attached to this film because you're like, hey... I would love to be hanging out with these kids in this clubhouse having a good time. Yeah. And, you know, for a film like this, with setting up the atmosphere of just like this weird mystery where you don't know what's happening or what are these runes, it really helps to understand who Tommy is and how much his life's been traumatized without him having to give you a big fucking like monologue about, about like ever since my babysitting life has never been the same we can assume that and it's very easy to assume but yeah hearing it would be so useless well it, it's a, it goes back to showing not telling and exactly i think that that's one thing that i really appreciate about this tommy is that you're you're shown a lot more than you're told and yeah. you know I, I don't hate the one from kills as much as as you do but uh I, I I just think it's funny. Like I don't really hate. Tom, it was, it's like, Ma- Ma- Maga Tommy. Yeah, yeah, you know? it's Maga Tommy. Like I don't hate Tommy Doyle in that movie. Like he services a point. He's well acted. It's just yeah. like, it's just so blunt. Yeah, or like literally, literally, he's just so <laughs> blunt. Where like, I'd have a hard time saying as a character, it's well done. Yeah, it's well performed, which is two different things. But I. I don't it's know. Such a, it's I, such I a just, vastly different take on the character. The idea of Tommy Doyle is such a better idea because the first movie sets him up, and you could do whatever you want with that type of character. And we've had two renditions where he's just like an inept stalker type character, or then he's just like fucking Maga Doyle, and it's like <laughs> it's just none of these versions have ever solidified saying we should bring back Tommy Doyle to me. Yeah. At least with six. His character services the plot, and it makes sense. But yeah. they're never well done enough where you could say, like, I'm glad Tommy's in this. And that's kind of the biggest problem with that character. At least with a character yeah. like Lindsay in Halloween Kills, like, she's shown to be, like, resourceful and, in, in, like, her and in, in fragile. But she's not overt, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. she's a character that seems like she can try her best to survive, but she's just another person. Whereas Tommy is, I know he's he's Maga Doyle. He's he's just fucking well, leading his fucking his march against Michael. Yeah, I was say, like he's he's in that movie. He is, I don't want to say the charismatic leader of the, the fucking riots and stuff, but like he does. He is one of the ones who really helps to incite that violence. I mean, he's driving around to people on the street saying, "Hey, if you if you're ready and able, we need to go hunt down this fucker and kill him." So it's like he's yeah. he's the he's the spearhead of this. Like yeah. you think it'd be Lori who'd be the spearhead, but he is the spearhead because she's and obviously injured in the bed. I think it just comes down to Tommy shouldn't be a main character. Is really what it is. Like Tommy as a main character really doesn't service the plot as much as 
is necessary unless it's built to it with a previous film. In the first, Halloween never builds him to be a main character. It does build trauma to be in his life, but unless you have another film kind of like start to unravel this character or build him up, like maybe like if they talked about Tommy more in 2018, I'd be more okay with him being Magadoyle. But because he just goes Shows from up. not being in this film to being a main character in the next one, it's like, I think we need a little bit more. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm all for films being films, just one film telling its one standalone story. But if you are going to make a trilogy, some things have to be built a little bit better, I'd say. Yeah, I agree. I think the, the nice thing about Six, though, is that he, while he is a main character, he does, he shares a lot of spotlight with, you know, Kara. Yes. And and Loomis and all stuff and, and they all inform each other and work together rather than it like, you know, Tommy being the spearhead who's leading the movie. It's not Kara's a, Kara's yeah. more the lead than he is. He's they, not I mean, also they, he's not driving a side plot either, which helps. Yeah. She, they're directly linked together. Yes. So that's why I, I always like this Tommy better in the narrative because it fits a singular story where things aren't unraveled, where we're dealing with A and B, there's something over here in C and Tommy's covering plot D, and then together it makes one big jump together to just with plot A. But with yeah. six, it's just we have plot A and plot B. They meet together by a third of the like a third of the way in the film, maybe halfway, and it's just through line. Yeah, it works well. Subplots are good in movies, but not too many subplots, especially in shorter films. It's tough to make work well. Yeah, I, I think that they do a pretty. I remember, I remember really not liking Tommy in this, and I think they they do a better job, especially talking about it. Um, they do a much better job with with him than I've ever given them credit for. Yeah, I, um, I think going through these uh, rewatches have really helped me understand these opinions. are just movies doing what they can with the time they have, with the script they have, and there's nothing offensive about them. They're just either good or they're just not. <laughs> like it's never offensively bad really and it's never really a f- aggressively masterful most of the time most of the time yes we'll get to that but uh yeah i i really like him i really like kara a lot um i you know she's not you know the most densely written character but her setup and her plight with her you know father and with her, her son I think she's instantly very sympathetic and instantly you can really get on her side. Um, you know, the the scene with her dad at the, the, the breakfast table is a little bit... It's very theatrical. Yeah. It's a very theatrical scene. Um, but, I mean, again, this, this is why like when we, when we get to like the original series, John, John Strode is definitely the... Or not John. Is his name John? Whatever. The dad is definitely the worst fucking character in the series. Yeah. I hate him. Uh, there's no redeeming qualities to him. Uh, he's just bad. Also, he has he takes like three whacks with an axe to take down this tiny little fucking stake. So he's a little bitch too. It's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, rambling a little bit, but I think everyone's really good in this. Uh, I think Danny, I don't want to call him like a weakest link. He doesn't really get much to do. He's, he's just kind of actor. he's just kind of in the in the scenes. He's just kind of being sought after by the man in black, but and he's hearing voices. He does more in this than he does in the theatrical cut, so he has a little bit more to do. But his his aspect of the plot is a lot was a lot more clear to me this time around watching it. Yeah, 
it's a lot less confusing and uh you know that rolls right into the like the cult stuff which i think is a lot more coherent than i remembered it being i think as we're talking about and reflecting on this film more this is really less of a review on halloween six and more like a re-evaluation on this film with the producers caught because like we're not gonna go through this in this film pretty much about like oh this is this what happens here and here it's more about like this film is really talked about as being like garbage dog shit (laughs) of the halloween franchise yeah and if you really take your time to like disassociate the things that could be annoying or bad you can really soak in a lot more enjoyment and atmosphere from this film because the atmosphere is just really good in it you really feel like it's the one halloween film since the first one that really captures that attitude the best yeah and yeah i mean i I, there's nothing really unbearable until you get to like I, i mean i think michael myers in this movie is pretty fucking bad he's just a stupid bodyguard who just says hey Take care of him. He goes, okay, boss. And he just fucking marches over and takes care of that person. And he services nothing in the story except for to be like, all this exposition about his life and what he did or how he became this. But also, because he doesn't talk, it services nothing to do with him as a character. He is literally a plot device in this movie. So when it ends and he survives, it's like, like, if there was, if they're going to follow this film, what would matter? Like, why do we follow Michael now? He's he he's got no real motivation. He's just walking around. I mean, he still he still has motivation because Steven's still alive. He's gonna hunt down Steven to kill Steven. That's enough. I guess, but there's no real. They put so much prominence on like the doctor character, who's the man I mean, black, and, and like him orchestrating all this. It would just fall in line with if you had to do another one. It'd have to be another man in black type character to talk about this stuff, or we go back to the old formula where Michael says nothing, but now we know why he does this, and it'd have to be a short movie. Well, the the uh, the whole part of the ending is that the new man in black would be Loomis. Yeah, which he's dead as soon as this film is done fucking pretty much filming. Yeah, so, so and it, they weren't going to recast him. No. So, But just taking... taking Pleasance's death out of the equation. I do find the idea of him, of Loomis being at at both times, supposed to be the protector or whatever of Michael, as well as being his Van Helsing. I think that's. I think that'd be a, yeah. interesting. Actually, be really interesting. But um, I don't think Michael's that bad in this. I, I think that he's. I mean, he's pretty Michael-y. Uh, I would say that the the cult stuff, depending upon you know, it, it depends upon your your mileage for for the cult stuff. I don't think that he's so much a bodyguard as he is a willing participant in, in a lot of the stuff that's going on, and he's still there. You know, he, they're, they're just they're just reinforcing his his drive to kill his family, but he's still going out and killing people of his own volition too. <laughs> Like he doesn't yeah. have to kill. He doesn't have to kill a mom. He doesn't have to kill a dad. He doesn't have to kill Barry Sims. He doesn't have to kill a lot of these people. I, I would say that he's probably he's he's not he's not as as, as boring and and uh, he, he's always kind of been. I don't want to say a plot device, but he's he's never the, the motivation has always been killing. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't change anything of the fact that he's always killed because he wanted to. 
Yeah. You know, it's just with the runes and stuff, it's like, well, this is why he, with the kills, it, it benefits this, and this is how it all adds up together. I just think with the man in black character, with him in five not doing much except breaking him out, it doesn't take away Michael's agency as much. With us understanding why is he doing this, what's what's going on, and us not getting an answer because he's he's a mute, he's not gonna tell us what his answer is. Yeah. And like it leaves us as an audience just wondering like this mystery character, like it's like Boba Fett. You know, when you learn what the mystery is, it's never gonna be as good. <laughs> So, except for it is as good now. Yeah, I'm, I like Boba Fett now. I, I really yeah. do. He's not just a character design, but still, the yeah. idea of what Boba Fett could have been is always going to be cooler than what is given. Always. Yeah. The idea of what you think it could be is going to be cooler because when someone tells you, it's always going to be like, "Why well, is some crazy shit in my head?" But okay. I think the sad thing about the Man in Black, though, is is that the writers really didn't support each other because you know they they in they, they integrated this character in five they just like stuffed him in there and they're like well the next guy will figure it out and it's just like yeah this person has a scramble to give an answer now oh, and yeah. i i think that the answer they give the best they could have done is good enough yeah. it, it works for me i don't i i think that michael is is solid in this i don't think he's he's that i think he's pretty pretty freaking good I will say this now because we were talking about it in five or maybe it was, no, it was in four. I don't like the mask anymore as much. I figured you weren't. I think the mold is good. I, it, sometimes in some scenes it looks cool. I just can't get over the short hair where it kind of sticks up. It just but he looks like that, he's going to a fucking punk rave. It's just funny to me. Not even just the hair though. Like sometimes in certain light, certain lighting, that mask just really just does not look great. Um, as good as it should, and uh, yeah, like even even like at the end when he's when he grabs Tommy, and in, in like that stark white light of the, of the sanitarium, it it looks weird to me. I mean, it looks off. All those Michael Myers masks are gonna look pretty bad if you light it too well. Yeah, I think the only one that really does look good under a strong light really might be the Rob Zombie mask. I think it's. Really? I, I think the I think the original looks really good under under because you know it's, he's walking around in sunlight at the beginning of the movie, in it and I mean it's, it's obviously never, at a distance. That's but. the thing, like the Rob Zombie mask. I'm saying because we get up close shots of it with a strong light on top of it. Yeah, but in the original, it's always at a distance, so maybe it can't look good up close. But we'll never know, which is why that film works. Yeah. But the way they filmed the Rob Zombie one, like you get up closes of him all the time, very well lit, and I never say that mask looks bad. I don't like the movie, but the mask always looks good on screen. The, the mask in Rob Zombie's Halloween, the first Rob Zombie Halloween, is awesome. Yes. It's actually legitimately really good. But yeah, I mean, I I I wouldn't say like this is a bad mask or no. at all. Like I wouldn't say like it looks but good H two O. It's it's definitely it looks it, that's the thing that's the interesting thing because when I was watching H two O right after watching Halloween six, I was like. That's the same exact mask. Why does it look better here? It's because the cinematography is just better. The cinematography. Some of some of it is better lit. Some of it is. I I have a couple of issues, but the um, the the couple of scenes like you'll see. I mean, it's really distracting in that movie, but we'll get to that. But like when it switches scene to scene, but when he's when he's wearing the six, the part six mask, I'm like, well, it looks better in this. Yeah, like he's wearing it through through the entire opening. And the opening's it, very dark. Yeah, I would. And that was like my... the small bits of light really help 
accentuate the features of the mask. Yeah, it looks really good in that. And just also different frames, different size head and stuff. I yeah. think that maybe this didn't fit Wilbur as, as well as it should have. Um, that's another thing too, because you know, as much as I don't think Michael Myers as a character in this movie is bad, I'm not. I'm starting to not be very wild about George Wilbur's Michael Myers. I don't um, like the portrayal very much. I, I he, his walk is odd to me. It's just it's really odd. There are certain moments where he's he's really good. And, you know, like at the beginning when he uh, he puts the nurse's head on the spike. Like I, that's I that's really it. good. We'll talk about it in the next one, but like H2O, he, his walk is bad. He's bet well, he's better in this than he's in H2O. We'll get we'll definitely get to that. Um, you think Michael Myers is better in this than in H2O? Physically, I think that he's he is more physically um, imposing as well as I think that his man some of his mannerisms are stronger. I don't know if I totally agree, but I can I can definitely say it's debatable. Yeah, I, I mean. No, no slight on Chris Durand. I mean, I, I even though I, I, I didn't even go visit him at, at the, uh, I didn't go see him at the con, but <laughs> mostly that's because I didn't bring my H2O Blu-ray, so I, I wasn't going to go. I, I think six to H2O is always going to be a good comparison because this is the end of the original series as it was going in the start of a, 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 a separate new, timeline. new timeline, which yeah. usually will always lend to like, hey. Versus the end versus this new beginning. What's the comparisons? And I I think I'll always like the original timeline the best, just because I really love Jamie Lloyd's character. Uh, the ending of this one, it's it's tough. I don't the, think like the, the ending. The of ending the of six. I I actually have come around on it. I used to really not like it. I wouldn't say like I love it. I wouldn't say that it's something that you know it's my favorite ending in the series or something, but. The runes, the stuff with like the runes where it stops Michael Myers, as I watched the movie, dealing with all the cult stuff, taking all that stuff in, and Tommy being the you know Knowledge expert in, yeah. in it, I've come to like it more, especially because of how he escapes. It just narratively makes sense, too. Like It, it just, like, yeah. regardless of how much you like say, like, oh, you know, it's stupid that the fucking rocks stop him. It's not like it's not explained. It's not like it just happens yeah. out of nowhere. It's well built throughout the film. Yeah. Maybe it's not how you'd like it to go, but it makes sense. Yeah, I like agree. Like you said, he breaks out, so it really doesn't matter. He escapes in the end. He, you know, trades places with Wynn. The biggest disservice really is just Dame, Jimmy Lewis' character. Oh, oh, don't, don't. Like... Yeah, I'm. I'm really not a fan. If she of that wasn't stuff. in the movie, like if if she, after she broke out and she dropped the baby off, and it's the last we saw of her, I would genuinely probably say six ends on a high note. But yeah. like, what happens to her almost ruins the movie for me personally. It's both, such a harsh bias too, because she's my favorite cuts, Halloween character in general. Yeah, in so, both cuts, she's she's done dirty. Yeah, she dies. So either either way, she's done dirty. Like, yeah. Like, she characters doesn't die. can die and it can work. Like, yeah, I have no I'm problem with having a, a character I love die and have it mean something, but it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I don't care about Jamie dying. Like, at, at least in the producer's cut, the script respects her in, in ways. Like, these characters care about her. She's not just another character on paper. Loomis cares. You know, Loomis he, cares. You know, the, he blames the himself. family, yeah. when they know that she's alive, they, they're upset. They want to go see her. Like, these things make it feel like, hey, 
people care about Jamie. It just, the movie feels like it doesn't care sometimes, and it's just like, okay, well, fuck you guys. That's kind of the thing, it's just like, she gets so un- unceremoniously killed in this movie, like, she, they make a big show of how she, you know, she gets stabbed, and you think she's dead, and then she's not dead. So you're like, oh my god, wow, it's so cool, Jamie lived. And then they just That's... shoot her in the fucking forehead. If you cut out that scene, or cut out Jamie's death, I would just, I'd be fine with it, like... Like, I, I would like the movie better if she was just in a coma for the rest of it. Like, I get, because, like, you're... <laughs> he's after Steven. Yes. The baby. If Michael never knows she's alive, if no one knows... Obviously, the reason why they know she's alive is because wins the Man in Black. Yes. Um, But if they just leave her alone, this movie, I, to I, me... It, it is it a feels, plot hole. If, if it feels like a alone. movie... They wouldn't have had to read... Well, I mean, the reception of this movie was enough reason why they, they, they reset the timeline, but if they kept Jamie around, they would have had an avenue to continue. Yes. But killing her off was a big mistake, and if you're gonna kill Jamie, a character that a lot of Halloween fans enjoy and love and want to see done with respect, and you've already disrespected her by, by fucking with the actress... Oh, yeah. And and do like she, she emancipated herself to 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 be in this movie, and then you just fucked her over. Um, you know that's already bad enough, but you kill the character so, just like in it's in, it's almost it's borderline. No, it's insulting. It's actually insulting to the character. Oh, it is insulting, hundred like percent. So that is the one of the most frustrating aspects about the movie because it's like I enjoy the movie, I like a lot of the stuff that it brings to the table. What is it with this franchise and having in a row two characters that are very much loved by the fan base and just fucking them over? <laughs> like Rachel and Jamie, both of them. Absolutely railroaded. It's ridiculous. It's really upsetting. And like I I kind of get why people like they really want I, I want will say Jamie Rachel's is worse for sure. Like on paper, she's definitely like I hate Jamie's because like I, she's my favorite character, and like it sucks to see her go. But you know, she fights to give her child a, a good life. She does everything she can. You could say the fact that like Stephen gets picked up, she did what she could. Like it's a way of her saying, yeah. like, "I'm gonna give my my baby a life that that I want, I can't have that I yeah. can't give give them because my life I'm is over." Yeah. So she gets a bit of a shining moment. The way she dies is fucking stupid and it's dumb and it makes it feel like it's pointless. Mm-hmm. But Rachel's is just... To me, it's always going to be worse because you are taking a character that the entirety of four is to say she'll do anything for her sister. She's a, a strong woman that is not going to be doing dumb shit for no reason. She, you know, She's always been... You won't abandon her. And, yeah, she doesn't need a man to tell her what to fucking do. And then the entire fifth movie, she's just... I'm leaving, goodbye. She's just being (laughs) sexualized. Every scene you see her in besides her introduction, she's fucking naked, and then she's dead. Or close enough to naked. Yeah, it's like... It defeats the entire visual story that's given to you in four. Yeah. To me, it's this director saying that, like, I don't don't care care. how strong she is, she's still a fucking woman. That's what it comes across as. Yeah. And that's why I always think Rachel has done way dirtier. Am I saying I like either of them? <laughs> Fuck no. 
But yeah. to hers, it is really like it's misogynistic, which to me just kind of makes it much worse. Yeah, it's just irritating. Yes, because they 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 actually take time in the in the fourth movie to make kind of the opposite of that. Yeah, it, she is, and that's I mean, why it's uh, tough. Like, I think six is a much better movie than I remember. It's and much better than five, in my opinion. I would I like a lot of things in five more. I don't think it's a good movie, but it's not as bad as I remember it being. But no yeah. matter how much of these things I like, those two things are always going to make them, to me, just not good movies. As a bias thing. like I can say Six is a much better movie, and I, I think it has a much better story. The way it disservices Jamie is always going to say to me, I'm never going to put this back on again, though. I'm never going to want to watch it again anytime soon because it just fucking upsets me. And with Rachel, I mean, there's so much wrong with what happens to her. It's like, yeah. I don't care how many times I've watched Five as a kid. That shit is still fucked up. Yeah, I agree. The way that they treat Jamie doesn't tank the movie for me. The no, way that it, it doesn't does tank you. it. it just, it's tough for me to watch. Like It's tough for me to yeah. be like, this is my favorite character. Because like I like Kara and... She's you know, great. Danny, I, I, like, I think she's great. I, I genuinely like. We kind of gloss over Kara a little bit, but just the 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 change for a final girl to have not just she's not a teen, she's not a teenager. She's in college, she's and she has a she's a single mom. You know that's that's completely different from any final girl we've pro- we had probably ever had at that point. There's no real actual romance between her and Tommy Doyle. There's zero. There's nothing. There there's two, they're just. The co-leads of the movie. Yeah. There's, there's really nothing. She's, you know, she, the, the whole thing at the beginning with him, you know, with the camera looking through the window. But I think it's very easy to to say he's looking at the house, watching the house. He's not watching her. I don't think so much that he's, you know, peep, being a peeping tom as much as he is, you know, yeah. traumatized by Michael Myers. He, he lives across the street from the Myers I'm, house. And I he's definitely watching think he is interested in her. I'm sure there's a little bit of that. But I'm, like, I, it's I'm not sure that, a focus of the movie. Yeah, I don't think that he's actually like actively stalking her yeah. yeah like i think it's more so that coincidental he, where he's like i don't care if you're getting the dressed. house i'm wondering if michael's in there which yeah, which is way funnier i think yeah i think that he's he's actually more so scanning the house making sure nothing's wrong and he happens to scan up and see her it, it is way funny to think of like yeah you got a nice ass and all but like where's michael <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i i don't actually that kind of reminds me that the that statement kind of reminds me that it's, it's fucked up the way that Marianne Hagen was treated in this movie really? because yeah behind the scenes I can't remember who it was it might have been one of the Weinsteins it might have been oh fuck let's no no not like, fast, not, not, not like that 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 not good but not like that uh, it might have been them or it might have been one of the other producers in the movie I can't remember who it was um, they were talking about it on either the Blu-ray or in the book I was reading uh, they were telling her that she's too skinny she like they really were skinny in the movie. But. I know, but like, but they were like shaming her directly, being being very cruel about it. I guess to me, it's just like I'm just glad they didn't say she's too fat, which would be like I guess yeah. much worse to an actress. I, I feel like but. either way, though, that's bad. Like, oh, it, it's definitely bad. I mean, it's, either it's way, you create eating disorders for for anybody with no matter what you say to them, which is tough. Yeah. You know, like, well, like just like you know, I don't want to be too crass, but Marianne Hagen is a beautiful woman. I, I guess I'm just she's fine. <laughs> I'm just picturing like how she looks in the movie, and like if someone said to her like, 
you're not skinny enough, that idea to my head would be like, okay, she'll kill herself. Like maybe I'm maybe that I'm would misremem- be detrimental. Maybe I'm misremembering it, but either way, it was a body shaming kind of thing. Oh, 100 percent. I'm it, not it saying it's up. okay or anything. Like, I think she almost like she almost didn't get the role because of it. Like, I, I, I mean, that's, that's, that's ho- I mean, that's Hollywood, and that's not an excuse. That's but that that's not that unusual. But it, it's still that's yeah. Fucked. I, it's I really mean, fucked. um, and, and the worst it's like she's really good in this. I'm not gonna go on a tirade about how I hate misogyny in Halloween Five, and then just say like, yeah, calling people skinny is cool or anything. I don't think it's okay. I mean, when you're talking about a film, you have to understand like certain people want a certain image they have for a person if the body doesn't fit that it's not body shaming when they say hey i have an idea of what i want and you don't fit that it is what it is sometimes when but at the same time it's also that's their body type man like they sometimes they can't fix that it's also the manner in which you do it though 100 percent and and from what I, I read or read and heard about it, it was very very cruel. I'm sure it's a lot more visceral with how it's written on the page because you, you telling it to me is never going to be as pun, like pungent as like me reading it. Yeah, like they, they like she actually they actually quoted whatever it was. I can't I can't remember what it was, what they said, but it was it was nasty and it was yeah. really gross. And, and it, again, it, it's it's more upsetting just because of how good she is in this movie. Yeah. Like she's legitimately great in this, and I haven't seen Marianne Hagen in anything else, and that sucks because she's really, really good here. And her relationship with her with her son is great. I, I like how she's she's very, very at, at the at at the same time she is you know motherly and caring, and she's very strong. Yeah, I really, really, really like her a lot, and. Uh, yeah, you know, she, she's just she's just a really like interesting type of final girl because we don't get you know single mom college students in, in these very much you know I, I wouldn't say like she's she's you know on this level of of character but like kind of reminds me of kind of the uh, the earth shattering difference of like the character the main character from Black Christmas where it's just like she's a college student and she's pregnant and you know you're dealing with that that issue yeah. while you're while you're watching the movie. So it's just different. I mean, obviously that's that's like before the slasher boom. So she wasn't even part of the template. Yeah. But it is it is cool to see a different take on a final girl. Finally, you know, this is ninety five. And, and it's not saying there's anything wrong with the basic template. No, basic no, no, template no. is fine. But when you have I love to switch Rachel. up in formula over forty films, it's nice to be like, hey, I haven't digested this as much. It, it gives this movie a certain character related identity that none of the rest of them have. Yeah. It's easy to separate and appreciate this standalone fact about it versus of the the other ones. Yeah, because like Lori is a, a a single mother in H two O, but she's a forty year old. Uh, yeah, she's she's like forty year old woman. Yeah, she's like and she's she's running seven. she's running a, a prep school. Like she's she's well not well adjusted. I wouldn't say she's well adjusted, but but she's, she's, you know, financially, she's financially well adjusted. Yes. Yeah, like it, it's very different than a you know a twenty something year old person having to move back in with their abusive go to college. father and go to college yeah. with with a son so it, it is definitely it, it is cool to see them take a, a different look at final girls in this movie it's something it I, I wish was more evaluated with 90s movies it's just the realistic like the dark atmosphere of like how real the world could be but yeah. also do it in a way that can kind of be 
enlightening or like hopeful. Like she's put as a character that's going through dark shit, but she never gives up, which is nice. Yeah, but she has her own issues, and but, this is just compounding on top of them. I feel like that has to come down to it really being a pre-Scream, like '90s horror film, and Scream did just change the template with being like, hey, either we're gonna be metatextual or we're gonna talk about just how dark some of this shit really is, and it's like, hey. The thing about dark, it has to have a balance with light. You can't just only have bad things. That's why a lot of the shit that's like... Movies post-Iraq War are just so dark and dreary, there's no uplifting atmosphere to it. Some films it works for. You need a dark and tough tone, but like... People forget, like, there's a balance with everything. And when you lose that balance, you're losing enjoyment. And at the end of the day, I'm watching a movie, I'm not watching a fucking documentary. And yeah. if this movie's got no enjoyment to it, or there's no uplifting atmosphere, why am I getting through it? Like, look at a film like The the Pianist with um, Adrian Brody. Like, I still haven't seen that. Well, well, just, like, the template of it is, like, he, his life is fucking terrible, but he always is hopeful. Like, if but he, he always has his piano. Like, if he wasn't hopeful, the movie would be sucked. It would be suck. That's really good of me. I'm clever. But it would be suck, okay? The movie would be very suck. It would be pure suck, bro. Yeah. You need to have a balance to it. And a lot of films in the the 90s and early 2000s especially, especially early 2000s, they just fucking drop the ball. It's kind of funny watching it kind of like circle back to... uh to like pure like darkness in movies, going back to movies like... We always talk about how fun the 80s is. 80s is fucked. Uh, yeah, 80s is fucked, but... 80s is a fucking roller coaster, though. If I said, I'm gonna watch a film from the 80s, you don't know what roller coaster you're going on. That's what I yeah. love about it. It could be the, the happy, fun, screaming kind of, uh, of roller coaster. It could be Monster Squad, or it could Pure be Evil depression. Dead. You know, like... <laughs> yeah, but I'm thinking about, like, like thinking back to, you know, I watched Come and See for the first time this year, and just how, like, there's not a single, single bit of light in that movie. Yeah. Everything about yeah. it is just like this is descent into pure hellscape. Well, same with same with Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, and like that works for films, and same with Black Christmas. Like, films should be dark, but if every film coming out at this time period or a large percentage of them are just trying to do that because of a real life event, because all all films are based on political landscape. I'm sorry, the political landscape going on at the time is going to set up and say, what are we going to address in this film? Yeah. And that's kind of the biggest problem with 2000s films I, I, in general is that it's so fucking dark and dreary because we didn't know how to respond to 9-11. I think if people think that movies are not... If art, if people think that art is not informed by politics, they're actually stupid. Yeah. So it, I, it's one of those crucial things, especially in the 2000s. Like, we, we've gotten to a point, you know, like, we... During like the eighties, like the the seventies, like we we'd have movies about about World War Two, where we would, it would be fuck the Nazis, kill them all, whatever you know, like yeah. it'd be it'd be all about you know, punching Nazis is cool. Yeah, but still, once we got into the it's still pretty it's still, cool, it's still fucking lit, dude. Yeah, um, but like in in the two thousands, it's like in in the kind of conflict that we were in, baseless aggression so, against a generalized people. It's it's such a I don't want to say it's a great situation because it's not great that's that's a bad situation no matter how you think but like the way that we interpret it in art you could say gray though because yeah I mean there's no such thing as a clear cut answer yes like, but it, it, it's just weird to talk about you know a situation like that and saying that like there's any any form of, of good in that no. but uh, the uh, America's response to nine eleven has systematically destroyed 
what any Western audience could see as Middle Eastern people as just being humans. And, yeah. and it, since then, we still have a large, rampant racism in the fucking country because of it. And maybe I'm a lot more, like, vocal Sensitive and angry it. about it because, like, I have family who is Muslim. And, like, I, I've seen people treated differently because of it. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. Like, they're just fucking people at the end of the day. And, yeah. like, at, just because of one act by a terrorist group, which, hey... Surprise, surprise, terrorism is everywhere. Like, we talk all the time. American Revolution, that's just terrorism. Like It's, liter- it's literally terrorism. It's just terrorism in, like, is it is it cool terrorism? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, like, America, America was built on terrorism. It's terrorism, terrorism man. So. It is. Like, it doesn't matter how yeah. good or how necessary it is. It's still terrorism. I just, I just gotta love how we we went from Halloween Six to talking about terrorism. But what, I think the nineties, the nineties shapes up a lot of like, how do I want to say, it? like, Nirvana is a band that is prominent in its culture, not because of how good the music is. I don't want to sound like an asshole, but because of how poignant the messages are for its time period. As yeah. much as the eighties is about like fucking pop or like hair metal saying like yeah let's get our dicks sucked let's have a good time let's yeah, go party like the 90s is literally about like hey man my cousin died of heroin yesterday yeah. and you're like hey i was kind of busy getting my dick sucked and now someone's talking about their heroin overdose so maybe i'm not having a good time yeah and then it... the 90s is about being realistic about all this shit that's happening children being addicted to drugs you know a lot well, I guess more rap I, culture I, being predominant about how tough life is, and it's not just fucking fun. I guess that kind of relates back to just like the '90s, even even with like something like Scream, you know, self-referential stuff. It, the '90s had a lot of re- self-reflection. Yes, I in, think in reflection is the best way to talk about '90s in general. And like dealing with something like a single mother, that that does take a degree of, of self-reflection on the state of the world at that time and, and how we viewed being a single parent in the nineties, especially a young single parent who, you know, has to deal with, you know, a, a very, very cruel parent basically saying that you and your son are a mistake. Yes. I, I would uh, say the eighties is the most artistically creative decade for films. It's the most like wide range of like stylistic stylistic choices and what you could get is very different depending on what director, what year it even is. But the 90s yeah. is the most, it's the broadest horizon for realism, sure, but also like the introspectiveness. Like whatever you're, you're trying to see or, or reflect on, the 90s is trying to showcase in its films. Yeah. Early 90s, even later 90s, you're just trying to get in the mental state of your main characters most of the time. Look at shit like yeah. Requiem for a Dream. Mm. Like, even like Scream, like, your entire focus is always going to be on Nev Campbell's character. About what she's going through, how her she plight, feels. Her what, mental state. What's what's happening. It's not just the basis like, I want to run from this killer. It's like, my life is in shambles because of A, B, and now fucking C happened. And, and I'm D not and done e. with dealing with A and B yet. Yeah. And, that's it's like, why it's like that movie works. View, looking at the viewpoint of, of a character that 
has gone through a, a lot of trauma in a short period of time and is continuing to go through trauma as it's going on and on and on through yes. the entire series. You know, it's like she doesn't get to acclimate to the trauma that she's endured. And that's real. <laughs> so that, that happens to a lot of people. Sometimes the train just doesn't stop, guys. Yeah. And I find that really interesting, especially in a, in a decade where, you know, even just this year, we were talking about how, like, oh, like the 90s, fucking like, ah, it's just like, oh, we're in a self-referential bullshit. But, like, there's a lot of stuff in the 90s that, under the surface, that's cooking that's very artistically smart and emotionally driven that I think needs to be talked about more. And even, like, it's not like this is, like, the most, you know, incredible film ever made, but this has stuff on its mind that I think that, that a lot of the movies in the genre ta- should tackle more yeah. and it, discuss more. I would also say this has a lot more on its mind than you would previously think on first watch. Yeah, man. I, let me tell you what. I've seen this movie three times. The producers cut three times. This watch was it was kind of weird because it's like, I'm like, I, I know this movie. I've seen it a couple times. You know, I don't, I don't have anything else to glean from this. I'm just going to see if I enjoy it a little bit more this time around but i was not thinking about the kind of stuff that i would actually think about while watching this movie is it is it you know the greatest one in the series no it's not but i would say that overall this is one that has jumped up my ranking a little bit i don't think it moved much for mine but i did appreciate it more i had five above it before i'm i don't know if i I moved i moved six over five i think i think as a film six is better I just enjoy. I also move. I also move four up to. I move four up to two. Four is my second favorite. My my list has changed as of current watches, but it's not going to be assumed as to what it was before. I'll say that yeah. much. I think I have this still under kills, but this is definitely under kills for me. Yeah, I don't, I think I only get that far under kills, but it's under kills. I think kills is the middle of the road for me. Well, yeah, I think because how many? I think I have Halloween two movies? above kills. I think I do. <laughs> I, I, that this most recent watch for for two was not kind to it. It's just fun. I think it's more. So, it might also be more so because I watched it twice in a row, so everything kind of like is very obvious to me because I just I just watched it and now I'm rewatching it. So I'm curious. I yeah, think. I've, I have kills above H2O and 2. I didn't adjust H2O after watching H2O, though. I haven't touched my list since after watching 6. You can, I watched... you can like whatever you like, man. H2O but... is above, above kills. I just yeah. haven't moved it yet. Yeah. I just, I just haven't moved it yet because I, I just didn't touch Letterboxd. I'll go over my feelings on H2O when we get to it. But yeah. I think to finish off this talk about for 6. Oh, I didn't even talk about like one of the things I, was, I crucially wanted to talk about, which was the score. Too late. No, I'm talking about it. It's my show too. <laughs> it's okay, man. You're editing this one. Man. Go for exactly. It. This might be my favorite score in the series. It's good. I really fucking love this score, especially. I, I'm, the... not, I'm not even trying to be short because it's been a while. I'm just saying, like, it's good. I, I I can't name a score in many of them that I think are bad. I think. Yeah, there's stuff in five. Fine. There's stuff in five score that I don't like, but yeah, but there's nothing like aggressively fine. bad. I think it's fine or it's okay. We'll get to H2O's score, but I'm not wild about it. Um, it's, it's so inconsequential to me a lot of the time. I think it works when it needs to work. It doesn't. It doesn't. We'll, we'll talk about it in the next one. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that this is legitimately like, because it's so different from the theatrical cut score. Like, it, it's it's really different. Yeah. Um, it's more traditional Halloween, but it also has the, you know, the, the culty kind of spooky atmosphere to it that I just think is fantastic. It's between this 
and the two new ones for my favorite Halloween scores just because of how like varied and diverse the kind of sounds that we get in the new ones are. This one, it is it is everything I want in Halloween, plus some really cool texture work from the like the spooky, you know, the fucking like choral voices in the background and stuff in the opening. Great stuff. I also want to talk about like that. Uh, this is the final performance from Donald Pleasance. Which is a great performance. Yeah, I think it's something that we definitely should talk about just because, you know, this movie's dedicated to him. And, you know, we've been talking about this whole time how much we love Loomis. And, you know, this isn't my favorite favorite Loomis performance, but it is really good. And I love how, like, old he sounds. And, you know, giving him the... Weathered. Yeah. And I also, like, I really appreciate that at the beginning of this movie, he's adjusted. Yeah, that he's he's just like, he's, he's fucking ha- he's dead. Fine. I don't care anymore. Let's have some yeah. wine. Like, hey, yeah. Michael's not dead. You're like, oh, I Fuck. can't appreciate this wine anymore. <laughs> but it's it, it, it makes it even sadder because it's like he's he's moved on. He's calmed down. He's, you know, he's, he's writing his book, living out his days, man. And wind comes in, brings him back to Smith's Grove. And they find out, oh, Jamie, Jamie's been found. She's not dead, but she's been stabbed. And oh, by the way, Michael's still around. And she's, he's just like, God damn it. And he's I, like, you feel so bad for him because he's like, he finally got out, man. He finally got see, out. That's the thing. Like, I feel like I would genuinely hate Jamie's portrayal as much as Rachel's if it wasn't for Loomis selling every scene he talks about Jamie. Because it feels yeah. so real when he does the dialogue saying, like, you know, I failed you. You don't feel like he's just saying, like, Fuck, we not we lost another one. Yeah, he really feels like he let someone down that he cared about. It does kind of feel really weird when you watch this immediately after five because of the way that I he's think it makes so... more sense because of watching it after five. You think really... so? Because you... to me, in five, he feels more like he's very callous, to... not callous. That's though, why. But... That's why. Like he says, like I failed you again. Like to me, when he's saying I failed you again, it's not like. Like he failed her at the end of five and at the end of yeah, because at no, five he should he realizes he probably should have protected her. She got abducted. She he thought she died in the fire because he was being inept. He didn't care about her. He only cared about Michael. And as years have gone on, he's had to deal with that for six years. He's like, I let this little girl down. Michael's finally dead, but at what cost? I have to live my own life. Then if you find out, not only is Michael alive, but so is Jamie. I have a second chance to fix things. And he fucked and, it up again. And, and he feels like he's really like, there's no point I, in this anymore. And I think that's I, I why... I love the way he sells these scenes. I think that's also why the, the thing with Win, like the, the reveal for Win, you know, like I knew it, I knew it was Win. Yeah, so the reason Obviously, he's in the scene, any scene for more than five minutes. Yeah, but yeah. Taking, taking that out of the equation, I've, I've seen the Crystal Michael Myers theatrical repeatedly, so I know it's him. Yeah. If I had never seen the... Because there's scenes that are in this involving Jamie and involving Loomis and Wynn that weren't in the theatrical version. If I had never seen the theatrical version and I didn't know that Wynn was the Man in Black, the revelation would have been a gut punch. Because if you really think about it, it's not just like, oh, well, it's Wynn, so he's going to be probably the bad guy. But ostensibly, Loomis brought Wynn in on this thing to help him. And by bringing Wynn in... He sealed Jamie's fate. Yes. He, by proxy, got her killed. And, and, like, the way it's set up, too, is even, like, when Jamie does call up, the first thing she says is, like, like, I need you, Dr. Loomis. Like, it's, like, reaching yeah. out for, like, a helping hand of someone she trusts. 
And it's like it's like even after it, he, it's, it's kind of like maybe maybe I'm it's heartbreaking. Like talking I mean, about I, it is so much more heartbreaking. Maybe, maybe I'm inserting a little bit into this more than maybe the writers and, and director really try to convey. But when she's reaching out to, to Loomis and Loomis is hearing it, it's like he's saying like even after everything I've done to you, you still want me to help you. Yeah, and that that's like I, I need to save her, and then yeah. he fails. And that whole like I failed you, Jamie thing is even more poignant, yeah, powerful. I take it back. It's really, it's, it's really, really fucking good. good. It's really well executed. It's the only reason I really say like Rachel's is more a disservice because Donald Pleasance's performance just makes it feel like Jamie's death has more matter to it. Yeah. It, do I think the the script writers and directors made it like this? No, I just think Donald Pleasance's performance just made it have a lot more emotion to it and made me feel a lot more. I don't know if it's intentional, but it doesn't matter. That's how I feel at the end of the film. That's what I'm going on. Yeah, it emotionally it has, it has a really strong emotional reliance yeah. for the character. And I, I really like I, I like that that kind of confronts the fact that he was so singularly focused on getting Michael and not thinking about the human being yeah. that he was using to, to finally end the evil and failing miserably. And that's why, kind of like at the end, he gets his kind of—I wouldn't say come up into recompense, but you know, now he has to to, to deal with Michael forever to his dying day. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's really yeah, it's dark, it's depressing, but it makes sense. You know, he's he is being literally tied to the person that he has intrinsically tied himself to for decades, twenty years almost. It, it is actually really smart. And you know, I, the more we talk about this, the more I like this movie. I wouldn't say that's going to go up any higher. I think I list. might have to adjust it. Based but I, on, I really, I really appreciate this more. This movie a lot more than I did before. I remember really not liking this. I remember talking to you about it before we rewatched it, saying like, I'm not really looking forward to watching six. But after watching it, and especially after discussing it, I, I like this a lot more. Yeah. Than I did before. I will say it might have to do with a lot more of us talking about how these things work. And then yeah, maybe but, on, but at the same time, though, it's on like, film, it doesn't translate as well, but the ideas are very strong, I'd say. I, th- I think also at the same time, once when you're articulating things and putting things into word, you're, you're, when you're discussing things, you kind of think about things you didn't think about before. Yeah. And I think that that's not wrong. I don't think that any of that's, it's not like we're, no. it's not like all of that we're assuming or anything. Like there is, a, there's enough evidence to support what we're saying, yes. I would say, in the movie. So I, I'd say we're, we're inserting more love and appreciation that maybe this film is giving us but I don't think it's wrong as long as you're emotionally resonant with the film and it gives you enough reason to believe it there's no yeah, reason to denounce it I don't think the jump is so severe that it feels like we're just kind of pulling things out of thin air or no. reaching it's just it's things that we definitely feel are there yes and I think that's that's valid enough what so. you get for a final score on Halloween 6 7.5 I'd give it a seven. We're usually within a half. Yeah. Point of each other. I think that's going to change for the next film. Maybe. I think so. Maybe. I, I, maybe you'll feel a little differently, but like I'm. Oh, I mean, like, hey, when I'm I, when pretty I, when high on this, H2O on rewatch. When we went into this, I, I felt more like a six point five seven. So I, I also felt like a six point five when I was talking. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to just have a few things to say. And then we rambled on, like, uh, no, this is, I think, we, better an yeah. idea. We rambled on, we talked about some terrorism, you know, yeah, the normal. Well, the I normal mean, way. when you compare a film to just, you know, the Islamophobia of the post-Iraq war, everything just sounds better. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, I, I would probably say, yeah, I'd say 7.5. I think this is yeah. 
much better than the last time. Much better than the last time I watched this because I really didn't like it. Yeah. We didn't even talk about the whole like uh, the the um, Michael's the father thing, which used to tank the movie completely for me. But I, I I've got like I've got reacclimated to it. When you think about it, it doesn't really. Fu- like, that's to me like he is a he's a bodyguard at the end. Like if you rem- told, if you like, remove hey, one man, line, it's gone. Fuck your niece, and he's like, I don't whatever like i'm not real like he's not human at the end of the day like he's not having human emotions he's being told what to do like i i just like in my i I want to to believe that it's artificial and not actually you know oh it's definitely not artificial i know it's not but i I mean i I wish the worst part is he rapes her like that's yes that's just like i just mm, that's that that is one of the things that really just irritates me about this if you remove the line about it's your it's your baby michael isn't it or whatever i would be like this is much better i mean you know me i hate rape in film i fucking can't stand it at least it's it's, not shown it's not focused on either it's just a throwaway line so like you know i'm not watching her rape jamie or anything yeah the thing is he was probably gonna rape Kara, which is yeah that was well, at least I, I mean, mean it, doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere very. It, it, I, it it's done with fast, like it doesn't happen. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I just kind of like it's like at least it's a. I don't want to say. I don't even want to say like at least this or but like she's an adult. Yeah, which is not. I don't know, but that's like, not that's not a good thing. Not but like good, he's, he's not, like but not like, only is Michael Myers incestual in this movie, but he's also realistically. A pedophile. It's a lot easier to deal with someone like rapists are always fucking evil. Rape but is always bad, no matter much what. Are you gonna be willing to say I can get through this movie if someone rapes a child? Ever? Just ever? Not, how rapes are a child you and it, and it's your niece. Yeah, like how are you gonna do it? That that kind of stuff like that really gets on my nerves. I wish that that's one of those things where it's like, did we need it to be like this? Like, there's nothing in this movie that says that it has to be his kid. So you just yes. made it his kid. Like, if you just remove that line saying, it's your kid, isn't it, Michael? It's fine. That's why, like, contextually, like, so. as bad as it is, but, like... It's such a throwaway oh, insert. When, when Michael uh, kills off his family, like, this will be the final time. I'm just over here, like, well, couldn't he just keep conceivably raping people and killing the babies, though, and making it part of his bloodline? Like, I'm not saying I want that in a movie, but, like, if Michael Myers is like, well, if I'm powered by killing family... I could keep killing my kids and stay powerful. Well, I guess the point is that this is the 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 youngest related person to him, and once that person is dead, it's over. So, like, he can't just keep on creating people after killing Steven. He, once it's done, he's done. They do say that, so you can't keep doing that. But it's like, no matter what. I would try. It's just... <laughs> It's just such a weird addition to the movie that doesn't need to be there. The thing is, like, this all the script is based in nothing. It's all fabrication. You can write whatever you want. So, like, yeah, this is what they wrote for the script. And when when scripts have realism or like, hey, this is all based on this and it has to follow suit with that, I'm okay with saying like, hey, I can't argue the logic, but it's a fictitious script that has no baseline and really anything. They can make it anything. It's just saying, like, you could have just not done it. You could have done something differently. And that's, like, the biggest problem. Like, if someone says, hey, well, 
in the script, point A gets you to point B. Why does it matter? It's like, yeah, but you could also change that script and alter it to make it not have this thing. Like, it, yeah. it's not like, hey, I'm doing a law movie and I have to address all these laws in America. No. This is about some crazy fucking rapist, pedophile, druid shit where you could just change this shit because it's not based in any real sense of cult. Make this cult not have to rape your niece. Oh wow, the movie's better. I mean, if, if you, just, you all you have to do again is just remove that line. Yes, and it's and and it's nothing, which is kind of why it's like it used to be such a bigger issue for me. But because like they don't even care enough about it to make it like a huge part of the plot, they just yeah. throw it in there. So it's like it's like ah, whatever, just ignore it. But it's one of those things where it's just like you didn't have to do this. It's 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 taking it a step further than it had to be, and it makes a movie that I'm enjoying and having a really good time watching. Really dirty. The biggest problem with the, the plot line of like, hey, this is the thing with killing his family. You have to either do one of two things. Have Michael Myers rape another person, another female, or you have Jamie getting raped by another man. Either way, somebody has to get raped. Yes. And like, no matter what, you're kind of fucked with that story. I think in the theatrical cut, I think they imply that it's win. I think they imply that it's win. If I, if I remember correctly, that is so I I don't bad. I don't like that. Yeah. I I could get I could not get behind that, but I could stomach that more than Michael being the, the one. The only way you could make because he's he's already a bad work. he's all a really bad guy. <laughs> like, like I don't know. I what I would so if we had to rewrite it, I, I know this is gonna go on longer, but like if I had to rewrite it. Jamie is kept as a prisoner to be possibly a last sacrifice is if the cult doesn't do things they want to do. Do it like you do with fucking Teen Titans where, like, a woman gets lost or stuck into a cult and then she offers herself up to be Michael's, like, love. So instead of him raping someone, she's willing to do it. And then it's his child and Jamie says... I've been in fucking prison for all these years. I'm not going to watch another child be murdered by Michael Myers, as I almost was all those years ago. You have her take this child that isn't hers. It just happens to be a child she's rescuing. And then the same plotline follows through. She was never raped, and he technically never rapes anybody. It's the same story. It's just not her actual baby. Does it actually change anything? No. I win. Yeah, but I mean, also you can you can just take it to be like, well, she had a boyfriend and they got pregnant and then they kidnapped her, you know. But she, or or you, you can't can... really do that because she's been in prison for six, for fucking six years. Well, at least in the theatrical cut, they don't really I don't really talk about that. I'm just talking the producers cut, so, like yeah. I mean, you the, have contextually, if you want to change nothing of the film, all you have to really do is just say Michael Myers had a willing female. Of the cult that said, "I will bear the seed of Michael of, of the Myers." Yeah. If you do that, you change nothing in the plot. Jamie still has a throughline narrative. It's just not a blood-related child. Yeah, I mean, I, I can get nothing. that. It's just it's the I, story still functions. I just think like if it's somebody else or she, like oh maybe 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 she's captive and she falls in like he, one of his one of her her captors falls in love with her and they they it's have a baby or something. Syndrome. Yeah, but. You know, like or, or or something else, or maybe she's not in prison for fucking six years or something, and they kidnap her after she's pregnant or something. Like there's there's a bunch of different ways you can do it where you can remove the incestual nature of it and the rape aspect of it. You can, there's I a bunch like of ways with, you can do it. You have to alter a lot though, 
to make her not encaptured for like six years or, or whatever. Like, yeah. I'm just saying, like, if we have to change like the bare minimum to make the story still function, because if she's not encaptured for like six years, I'm asking like, yo, what the fuck happened then? How did you just randomly capture? Was she at a fucking Carvel and you scooped her up in a van? Like, what's what's going yeah. on? As you do. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm just saying like, maybe she's captured for six years because they have this plan for Michael to have a child and if it doesn't go through, Jamie's the last sacrifice. That keeps this story still consistent. No problems. If you want to do it that way. He has the baby with a willing female fucking cult servant. No rape. Totally cool. Jamie has the initiative to save this child. Runs away. He gets hunted down. Same things happen. No rape, no incest, no pedophilia. Sounds pretty fucking sweet. I, I just the the, the idea. The only thing of is, you can't Hunt. kill Jamie. I, it would change it to be like this is the last. What I would do anyways is just like the last Myers. You kill off one last Myers, but if it's a younger Myers or whatever, say the fucking ceremony's stronger. And as Jamie's gotten older, her death has become less meaningful. Some yeah. shit like that. You would have to rework a little bit of the plot, but I think it would work just as well. I just, I, the, the idea that Michael is having sexual relations at all is just bizarre to me. <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. But he's, I mean, whatever. He's just a servant. Like, he's just a fucking body at the end of the day. I know. It's just it's just one of those things where it's like you don't think that to me. I mean, you get a little bit too too deep into it, but like that is intrinsically a human thing, and I don't view Michael as human. Yeah. So like him having sex with someone is just odd to me. It's human. It it is to a degree in a, in a baseline sense humanizing him on a physical degree, and it's just it's weird. I, it's one of those things where it's just like I I don't really I'm not wild about that whole decision to begin with, but it doesn't ruin the movie. It used to ruin the movie for me, but as I've rewatched it, I've acclimated more to it, and I, I can kind of just deal I, with it I now. I think after talking about it, I it, it hurt things a little bit more. I think us avoiding it has made this film sound better, but then I'm like, mm, pedophile incest rape, six point yeah. five. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is one of those like little little weird things that just doesn't need to be in the movie that they just yeah. stuck in there for some reason. But yeah, that's that's all I have to say. Regardless, it's either pedophile incest rape or it's pedophile rape. Either way, it's a fucking it's a lose lose. Yes. <laughs> Okay, but, I think I think that's enough dealing with <laughs> six. It really ended on a poor note, but <laughs> I think there's not much more I want to say anymore about the film. Yeah, I can't really think of anything else I want to talk about. I think that will lead us to H2O or Halloween twenty years later, and we're starting off with a new timeline, or or is it? There's a fun fact that I want to talk about from H2O that we'll get into, but there's a lot to really be discussed for this next film, and I'm excited to talk about it. So I am as well. Tune in next time. We'll discuss uh, another entry in the Halloween series, the first time they thought about bringing it back and bringing it back to basics, really. And tune in then. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.